Silly Goose Gang podcast. So episode 53 we're on now with uh, the Magic Marine James Stott. So James, thanks very much for joining us. Hello, thank you for having me tonight. This is, um, I believe, the first episode that's been requested. Um, so a, a buddy of ours that we train with, uh, another military guy, uh, Lee Emsley, shout out to Lee. He, he, he had said, uh, I think he had watched Prince Got Talent and said, you have to have this guy on. Message him and ask him if he'll come on. Cool, man. We'll do it. So... When you there said requested, I was, I was like, did I, did I request it? <laughs> but, yeah. No, you definitely didn't. No, you definitely didn't. Hey, no, guys, no, can you get me on that? <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. yeah, no. Joe, Joe Rogan was busy tonight. Shall we go on the Silly Goose Gang instead? <laughs> yeah, it was the first time any one of our friends has said, I think you should speak to this guy. So, um, oh, I just want to say a big thank yeah. you to, to him for getting yeah. me on it. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so, yeah, I'm here. I know that I know that those you know those guys, for example, were, were interested in the, the Britain's Got Talent stuff. But um, me and Ali seem to have become uh, by accident a military podcast. <laughs> I don't know, how that, I don't know how that happened, but um, but yeah, what was uh, you know where did your journey start? In the military. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I, I joined when I was eighteen. I was going to say I think there's there seems to be a lot of guys, and especially a lot of guys from the Marines who were right now doing crazy stuff you know and if they've gone from the marines and then to the sort of special forces world like and you've got the SES who dares wins on on tv and then you've got like aldo kane who was a, a sniper in the marines and it, every time you look you're like oh that guy's a marine. he just had a marine on strictly come dancing and yeah. it's yeah they're sort of filtering out everywhere um, do you think that's um do you think that's followed uh, you know we you know because we've we've speak we've spoke to I don't even know how many Navy SEALs now. And that seems to have been a thing that happened in America quite a lot. That their guys, you know, they started releasing books and done all these kind of side projects that would normally not be done. Is yeah. that now something that's filtering over here? It's, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a good thing for, good thing well, for the guys. Yeah. You've got obviously like a big rise of social media. Um, mm. You've got lads going into um, sort of after the military going into something else. And obviously a lot of Marines went into maritime security. And the money's just been coming down. So I guess looking for different things that I don't really know what would be the reason for it. But I guess things like rising social media, um, maybe like a re- reduction in sort of the maritime security world. So lads are looking for different different options. I mean, for me, going into magic was, I mean, that was a completely unintentional career. But I, no doubt we're going to cover that in the next hour or so. Yeah, well, how, let's go into it. How did, uh, how did that start? As a young lad, I liked magic, but I was also skinny and shy and insecure and self-conscious. And the last thing I wanted to do back then, you know, magic was geeky. The last thing I wanted to do was become a magician. So I liked it, but I was like, I better not do that. I'll just leave that there. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, I mean, I kind of, kept half an eye on it and if I ever saw a magician performing I'd be like whoa what's he doing but it wasn't until I joined the Marines uh, and I saw a guy performing sleight of hand magic and I'd I'd seen trick tricks with trick cards but I'd never seen sleight of hand skill and when mm. I seen this bloke just changing cards in front of me I was I was amazed and it just rekindled that that sort of uh, interest I'd had as a as a kid and and that's where that's where the magic started when I 
I went up to four or five commando, uh, met this guy, uh, and he he helped me out with it, and, and that's where yeah, that's where it started. From from then, I just kept practicing. Yeah, I think um, what what caused the the shift in the, the the attitude towards magic in this country would it have been, you know, you know, I think David Blaine would be like the first guy who who made it cool, yeah. you know, you know, Dynamo's yeah. Dynamo's taken on from there, but you know, certainly David Blaine was a guy who was like, oh, this is actually fucking cool. Instead yeah. of you know, Paul, instead of Paul Daniels, you know, what I mean, on a Saturday night television. I think <laughs> that's that's uh, definitely where the shift was with David Blaine and and Dynamo. And then obviously YouTube came out just as Dynamo was smashing it. And then all of a sudden you've got this, this kind of street kid in a hoodie knocking out crazy tricks and baffling people. And then it's just going viral with, with YouTube. Um, and I think, yeah, that, that just broke that, that sort of barrier between magicians having to wear bow ties and be all weird and yeah. <laughs> magicians are weird you know, do you know yeah. what, do you know what? I, I, I have to say this right now when i get off here this call i'm going to watch some old paul daniels stuff just to just to remind myself how fucking awful it was back in the <laughs> late 80s early 90s when we were kids watching you know some magic on paul daniels fucking pulling a rubber or a hat or something <laughs> but it, it was such a difference though wasn't it from the likes of paul daniels that we grew up with and then you know uh david blake and penn and teller were two big ones for me back in the early days that were like the first ones to do a little bit of that kind of street cool magic although they were still very vegas you know with the kind of fast talking almost yeah. that street level style of of magic um i love penn and teller incredible guys yeah yeah I think, um, yeah, I, yeah, I, you know, I can't even remember when the first time I've been aware of David Blaine, but uh, he done something crazy, and it was just like, holy shit, this is also magic. And I think, as well, like, yeah, he was. I mean, especially that David Blaine, he does just weird stuff, crazy stuff. So again, it's it's not here's a card trick, or you know, it's it's. Yeah. So yeah, there was that shift. Yeah, big shift. Have, have you any? Have you ever had a chance to work with uh, Dynamo or? or David Blaine yet? Um, I've met met Dynamo, um, and when I when I met him, I, I just said, uh, like, "Listen, mate, you your tricks." I, I looked at your stuff, so I, like as I as I progressed with the magic, I've watched people like Dynamo, and I remember the point when I was watching him perform to Philip Schofield, mm. uh, and I was like, "Got you. That's that's what he's doing." And then I I then stole that routine. I still perform it today. Uh, so when I seen Dynamo, I said, like, the stuff that I learned from you, watching you, and I guess being inspired by him, I've left the Marines and I'm now a full-time performer. So thank you for that. Um, that was like the first thing I said. And do you, yeah, I've not, I've not met David Blaine, though. Do you, do you um, so when, you know, if you meet Dynamo and he's a bit of a, not a hero because that's kind of weird, but uh, you know, a guy that you look up to. Do you ask for his opinion on things, or do you just follow what you're doing and believe in what you're doing yourself? Um, I mean, not so much. Dynamo. I've got other magician friends who are, yeah. are if I'm struggling with something, I find they're more approachable, and I'll speak to uh, Richard Jones, who won Brit's Got Talent as a military magician a few years ago. He's been mega supportive, um, and I can always ask him things. And if, uh, I was sort of a bit apprehensive about talking to him because I thought, here's another military guy going into the magic world. That's sort of direct competition with him, but he's just mm. helped me out all the time. Um, yeah. 
and another guy, Darcy Oaks. Like if you look at any of Darcy Oaks's stuff on um, from Britain's Got Talent, like he, he's doing amazing stage illusion. Like I, I wanted to do what he was doing, but they're like, no, Darcy Oaks has already done it. You you, you can't do those routines. Yeah. But, yeah. How um how small is the? Because I'd imagine it's very small. Like the the UK magician scene is it very very small or growing? Yeah, it's the. I, so I, I'm not really involved in the magic world. I've kind of looked into it and it's it's not been the place for me. And I've found a place for me is with the load of Marines. So mm. I'd rather sit with Marines and do magic for them as opposed to sit at a magic club and do magic with those guys. Um, and I think the reason with that is that the magic clubs you've got, there's a lot of people who are kind of hobbyists. And I wanted to speak to professional performers who were doing it because I, I ended up doing it full time and I wanted to mm. speak to other about like a working routine um, because you, yeah there's there's some amazing tricks which are really cool but then they're not practical if you're walking around a corporate event and table hopping and that sort of stuff so it's you have mm. to your working repertoire might not be the kind of magic that's um if that makes sense that's that's yeah. that's really that's really interesting because I just said to Ali recently um changing subject slightly but you know we, we both trained jiu-jitsu and you watch some people showing technique on on instagram or whatever some you know kind of well-known guys and they show some techniques and you go that's awesome but i don't think that works in competition i, I think yeah. there's better things to work in it's a very similar you know con- sort of concept to what you're talking about there's the stuff that looks fancy and amazing and everybody goes wow but does yeah. it really work in in, in a competition setting and answer's like, probably not. Do a forwards roll over someone getting in some kind of arm bar. It's like, yeah. I'm like, hey, bro, let's try this. But then, obviously, then when, yeah. you're, when you're rolling, they're, they're trying to do their thing as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, so it's quite, that's quite an interesting, you know, it's the same same uh, same idea, just in a different setting that, that, you know, what you've said there. So, um, so yeah, so was there any, you know, because, you know coming out of the Marines and, um, you know, as you said, you know, the magic world was sort of seen as being a little bit geeky when we were younger. Was there any, was there any, uh, any piss taking or any shit talking from from any of the guys, or were they all supportive? No, it was. I mean, it was this sort of feedback circle of of joy, this this response that I'd get from performing magic that that I got from the lads that made me keep performing. So I, I got into learning it, um, and I was playing about with it. And I'd say to the lads, hey, check this out, and I'd do some stuff. And it was that positive reaction. And, I, you know, the way that I could just go to a group of lads and, you know, there's, a, there's obviously like a few low times in the military. Um, so lads get lost in the head. And for a moment, it would just break. Anything they're thinking about, it just break. And there'd be almost mm-hmm. like a childlike kind of wonder, just fixated on what I was doing with this. Like, whoa, what, how's that? How's he doing that? And then... And then it just created this happiness and it was like this very positive feedback. Um, and so I continued to do it. And, and then it was, like I said, it was an unintentional career. It's because of the lads saying, you know, that magic, can you come and come on the mess do and do it around the tables? Or can you come to my wedding or I'm having mm. a, a party? Can you come along and do some magic there? So, and it was only when I came out of the military, I was, I was able then to say, yes a lot more to to these events like I, I didn't advertise it um but the more that i did it the more people would ask and and that's kind of how it just it just snowballed from there and and became you know full-time full-time with the magic yeah 
yeah, that's that's, that's you, pretty cool. Yeah, you could see you could see lads sort of taking the piss with it, but no, I didn't. They're always yeah, mega supportive and. Lads are always going to take the piss, whatever you do, right? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I think there is always that element, is it, when anyone shows a, a, a slate of hand trick in front of you, there is that bit where it kind of, that split second where your mind just goes, what the fuck just happened in front of me? <laughs> like, as your brain's trying to process that, you're like, what? And then you're like, no, 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 show me again, but do it slower, or let me see that again, or can you do something different? It does ignite yeah. that bit in you, no matter how old you are or who you are or how smart you think you are or anything. You see it and you go, damn that was impressive and sometimes yeah. more so if you know the skills that are involved in it do you find that being a you know a trained skilled magician now that you see things and although you can see the little moment where they do this late hand are you impressed by the skill level that they have yeah, yeah. do that I, level I, like, I like watching i like watching people perform and i think so this is what like i don't perform for kids but if i was to show a kid this mega technical sleight of hand routine they're just like yeah, because to a kid, a card can change to another card, or it can vanish and be up here. So mm. they don't. It's it's like they're not impressed because they they accept it as that that's the magician and that's what he can do. Uh, oh, so okay. you have to be like a lot more silly for kids, and it's like that's not my style. But I prefer showing because exactly that way you know that I can't do that, and but you see it happening, and that's mm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, yeah. I've just I'm trying to think of a. I I seen um, I seen uh, the the only magician I've ever seen live was in uh, it was actually in Ibiza, and to be fair, I was quite drunk, not quite drunk. I was shit faced drunk, and uh, I was fucking mesmerised. Just like, what the fuck, what yeah. the fuck, and uh, but yeah, I was. Uh, it's the only time I've ever seen somebody live, but. Um, yeah, it's something that's it's always super interesting. But you know, seeing you know, everybody's seen you know the David Blaine stuff, and it's just uh, so fascinating. I wonder if it's a like a mental trick or something that works inside human brain. Because if you know, I think if there was a magician playing or you know playing or or, or doing a show anywhere, you, you would probably go and watch it. I don't know if it's a like a curiosity of the of the human mind or something like that. I'm not sure what happens, but yeah. Um, because yeah, even so, in like you know in Edinburgh and Princess Street, normally in the summer when you yeah, have the festival, yeah. you have the guys yeah. out just doing it street performing, literally passing a hat round for, you know, pound coins, five pound notes, whatever. Yeah, I saw one two years ago that had his own contactless terminal set up because he's obviously getting smart to the fact no one carries cash now. <laughs> but even that, you know, they do the shout and you go, oh, it's, it's a guy doing magic. But you do kind of end up standing around and you know, trying to, audience trying to figure out, trying to figure out if you can catch him out, and you usually, well, I can because I'm stupid. No. But um, you know, you, I think there's that side of it as well. I'm not very uh, good at the the street side. I'm not very good at hustling. I remember the first time. So I was still serving. I was, I was working in North Devon, and I went down to the beach and set a little table up. Uh, and I, I think I made three quid uh, <laughs> because I didn't, I didn't want to like, hassle people. So I was just like, yeah. hey, you can check out some magic if you want to see it. But I don't want to. I don't want to bother you. Um, <laughs> but then after after that, I was in the pub with my mate. Um, and I had like the little card box and I was saying to him, uh, you know, what just been happening? And this woman came over and chucked some cash in the card box and says, do a trick then. So I did a trick for her and she's like, oh, let me get my husband. Got a husband, do a trick for him. And they said, look, we own the cafe. Do you want to come round for breakfast in the morning um, and do a bit of magic in the cafe? So the next morning I cycled down and said, are you hungry? They did me like full, full breakfast and I did magic in the cafe, met some, met some great people. Um, and my mum was actually going to come down 
to see this was like we lost lost my father um so my mum was going to come down i said i'll put her up and these this this couple that i met they had a bnb they're like your mum can stay here for free and it, it was just this massive snowball you mm. know just from literally just just with a pack of cards it, it's been it has been amazing yeah that's I, I love stories like that it's just super, like this you, you you know going off topic again but there's, there's so much bad things happening in the world and there's so much focus on bad people and, and things that happen and then you hear something like that and you go there's so many absolute sweethearts in the world that never get a mention so i love i love stories like that um one thing that you know just what you said that you, you know you don't like hassling people and, and all this kind of stuff uh you know and saying you were a shy kid so how when you're a shy kid and you don't like hassling people how how the fuck do you become a marine and um, so I, I think what, what that is, so I'm this shy kid, I'm skinny, I got bullied. And I, it's, I, I was born in July, so I'm, I'm like one of the youngest in the year. And as a kid, a year is a big difference. Mm. So, you know, if you're, you're sort of one of the youngest in the year, like another kid who's got a year of growth on you is so much, is so much bigger. So I think what it was is like one, I was always active and outdoors. So I love I love playing outside, I love climbing. Um, so I was very active, but trying to get away from this shy and secure kid, the epitome of like a tough guy is a soldier. And I think this must be what, you know, so it's like, well, if I'm a soldier, then I can't be, no one can bully me then or, you know, so it was, I think that was the drive to go mm. into the military. Um, and then it's like, what's what's the hardest? What's the hardest? A Royal Marines commando? Yeah, I want to be a commando. That's a cool word. I'll, I'll, it sounds cool. Um, I remember when I joined, they had the the sort of recruiting campaign saying 99.99% need not apply. And yeah. um, as with this girl, and I said to her mum, "Yeah, I'm going to join the Marines." You know, I was told this 99%, and and she says, "Oh, so what are you going to do when you don't get in then?" And I was like nah i'm i'm gonna be a marine and i think i think as well going through through that sort of training and and same with like navy seals and anything that's super arduous if your mind isn't a hundred percent set on Mm. that's exactly what you want to do it's going to be real tough it's hard enough as it anyway as it is anyway but yeah you really got to be a hundred percent focused on that so i think that's that's why i went into the military and also i wasn't super academic I've got two brothers and they've both done uni and they're very, very intelligent and academic yeah. blokes. Um, but I was more physical, it's, so it was... It's, it's funny because we've said so many times in this podcast that um, Ali's Ali's a smart one and I'm like the strong one. So uh, I'm, I'm on your side where I'm not I'm not the most academic. Ali, Ali's the, the reader and the, and the smart one and I'm the one who could lift loads of weights and uh fight my ass off so <laughs> me and my brother it's like it, in our little pitch video we we sort of said yeah very early on we we divvied up the brains and the brawn um but the only thing is is i've i took my brother training so he's he's got into bjj and he's got into sort of big compound lifts and he's he's about six three six four and i'm six foot so he's he's just massive so he's got he's got the brains and the brawn so, I kind of see myself off there. training them. Yeah, done yourself out a job. Done yourself out a job. Yeah. So, and then, so from from being a marine, you ended up in the SBS. Is that right? Um, I was attached to the SBS as a special forces medic. So, 
it was after we had a, a tour of Afghan um, and obviously took a lot of casualties. And it was one of those things that I felt like it was, I don't know, like my calling, like lads were injured and I'd run onto them, deal with it, you know, square them away. And I thought this is, this is something that I can do and it's it's helping helping the lads mm. so i put in to become a medic and essentially a trauma medic for for those kind of ops uh but i wasn't really fulfilled in that role so i specialized again uh, and put in to be a, a special forces medic uh and so i did a few more courses and then that enables you to work with ukSF and i was drafted down to to pool and work with a an sbs squadron there mm. uh, and i think it's the only job really as a marine that you can be fully integrated into a, a special forces squadron uh, because everyone else there is a is SBS and then you're sort mm. of attached into it. I don't think there's any any other job that you're actually working with the squadron um, like like that. Uh, just yeah. just because just because you mentioned being a medic, uh, we had on a fact. I think Ali, you've got the hoodie on. We had um, Mark Omrod on. Mark Omrod. Oh uh, right, yeah. Yeah, Tim on, and you know he was telling his story about you know. <laughs> The medic coming to see him and it was out uh, the story is unbelievable it's horrendous um, isn't it absolutely oh horrendous. my god yeah. genuinely sitting there going holy shit um and how yeah. cami is telling it um amazing really oh, amazing so oh, yeah i read us i was reading a book last night just after talking about being a reader you might appreciate this james with the military dark sense of humor that you all guys have and it was in a uh, jay morton's book yeah. And he was saying about a guy, a Marine that was in um, the Falklands back in 82, and he'd stepped on a landmine and it had blown his leg off. And he said the medic was in putting tourniquets on, and the guy was quite understandably upset and was screaming about, I've lost my leg, I've lost my leg. And then the medic said, over in the darkness, he heard one of the guys go, no, it's okay, I've found it, and come running <laughs> over with the guy's leg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's fucking funny. That's, that's Mark has got some, some absolute drive. Mark, oh, you yeah. know what? An absolute sweetheart of a guy, lovely guy, and um, yeah, you know, I think we said at the time, he's super thankful that you know we have those guys, um, you know, guys like him. Um, it's the only and, time and, that I feel like I'm getting good at the BJJ is when I roll with Mark. <laughs> <laughs> slight, slight advantage. How long have you been training? Um, I've sort of dipped in and out of it. So you've got a guy who set up. Reorg, which is Royal Marines yeah. Jiu Jitsu. Yeah. Uh, now we met, we, we were both at 4 5 Commando in Scotland. Mm -hmm. And I remember, like, at the time, I wanted to go to the gym and lift weights. And if he ever pinged me walking to the gym, he'd be like, hey, do you want to roll? And I, I, was, I was like, no, not a chance. But it came out as, yeah. So then it's like, <laughs> we, we'd end up going, and he would just, it just crease my neck and it, it, it kind of put me off it. Um, <laughs> But it wasn't until I'd left the Marines and I was, I was down at a Marine base in, in Plymouth. I think I, I would have been doing a magic gig. And me and this other lad just walked past each other. Um, and we, we're from similar areas. We're both from the northeast of England. We walked past each other and I recognised him. But by this time, I, I've got a beard. And we looked and we got chatting. And he said, oh, why don't you come and roll? And then and then that was in 2018, I think. So then we started, started going. And then my little bro got into it. And we started, I was trying to do it a lot, but I travel around mm. this 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 uh, van that I converted into a surf shack. Uh, and I'd, I'd be kind of living out the back of this van, traveling around. And I'd go along to like just a, a BG, BJJ club and, and sort of say, okay, if I come and train here, 
tonight. And, you know, everyone's been like super welcoming and I've trained all over the country. Um, but it has been, you know, it's one of those ways I'd, I want to get into it more. Mm. But it's, I mean, this year has been so difficult. Mm. Yeah, it's so addictive. So addictive. Um, but yeah, you know, if you're ever in, ever in the, uh, the Fife, Fife region, uh, give us a shout. We can definitely, we can definitely hook oh, up some rolling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's always so, so, it's always funny to watch somebody kick Ali's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You mentioned surfing there, so do you surf as well then? Yeah, I got into surfing. Uh, yeah, again when I was based down in Plymouth, uh, not Plymouth, uh, in North Devon, sorry. Um, and I, I, yeah, I got into surfing, and I just thought it's. Oh, it's hundred percent amazing. Like it, it's it's just so being being out in the water and I think it was at so at this time, like I lost my father and it was super hard. It gave like my whole perspective <clears throat> on life just got booted and and I, it, it was kind of a turning point and I got into I started doing yoga and surfing and I I tried to kind of leave the drink alone because I'd I'd end up drinking a lot with the lads. Um, and there'd be times when I'd drive down to the beach at five in the morning and paddle out and the sun's just coming up. I'd be, mm. there'd be no one else in the water and I'd, I'd just have a little little surf and then go to work. Uh, yeah, it's, I think it's fantastic. And the plan, yeah. so the plan was to, when I came out of the military, because my whole life was consumed by the military, when I left, I had so much freedom and flexibility. So I kitted out the van and I wanted to do Northern Spain and Portugal and just kind yeah. of ride around the coast. And I thought, how can I make it sustainable where I could maybe out the back of the van set up a, a surfboard bar, do card magic and have a cards and cocktails bar, music playing and just just kind of like try and make it sustainable. Um, yeah, it's f- funny you should make that's kind of I not with the magic, but I, I used to surf a lot. I've not surfed in years, but when I was young and bendy, I used to surf. And uh, me and a group of mates basically went from St. Andrews up in the north, the uh, northeast of Fife down yeah through down towards Cornwall, Devon, down through France into Biarritz and then along the bottom coast and then up into Portugal over the course of about four or five weeks. And literally all we did was we had enough money to get us pretty much to the next town. And me and my mate used to play a lot of poker and we just used to go into the local casino and hope we made enough money to get to the next town. And when you're 18, 19 years old, you can kind of, it seems like it's going to be a good idea. But I mean, we didn't even have a return ticket to get back to the UK. We had to make enough money to get back. And we were away for about six, seven weeks, just traveling around eight. There was seven of us, a couple of vans, um, a motorbike, and we just traveled down and round through. Ended up like at the far bottom corner towards Nazareth in Portugal. Yeah, um, yeah. Did not did not paddle out into Nazareth because that is just <laughs> red fucking ridiculous. But I sit, you know, in the where there's the lighthouse out on the point and Nazareth yeah. breaks. We went out onto it, just watched the waves, and we all looked at each other and went, nope. <laughs> it's like a the biggest ad- now, isn't it? Oh, a hard no. Like the biggest surf I had ridden by that time was probably maybe 10, 12 feet, which is getting scary with the power of the wave yeah. when it hits you. And then you go out to Nazareth and it's it's coming up at like 50 feet and just crashing, like a mountain coming down on you. And I, I think, no, it'd be like the end scene in point break. You go and do it if it's your last oh. day and the FBI are waiting on the beach, but <laughs> other than that, that's I'm such not paddling a fast scene, isn't it? When he paddles out and it's like Oh, we'll get him when he comes back in. It's like, yeah. ah, he's not coming back. He's not in. coming back in. Yeah, yeah. I think I generally that's all I could think in my head when I was stood at Nazareth with my mates, and we all kind of looked at each other with that kind of, 
you know, that 18 year old bravado that you have, and you go, yeah. I could paddle out into that, and then you just hear it going and crashing down, and you go, Nah, I'm not touching that. It's something that I always want to learn. I'd, I'd love to, even now, I'd love to learn how to surf. Um, but have you have you seen the the documentary Under an Arctic Sky? James? No, I haven't. Oh my god, it's um, it's on. I think it's on Netflix, maybe. I think I bought it. Yeah, it's only about forty five minutes long. It's some American guys, and they go to Iceland to like the northwest of Iceland where nobody goes, and it's yeah. these crazy waves. And, you know, a load of trial and error, and and they, you know they eventually get to this point, and they you know they end up surfing these incredible waves but under the northern lights it's just yeah. amazing you just look at it and go fuck that looks so cool um it's something i'd love to love to do one day but you know can't can't go and act, you know i can't fucking stand up on anything so uh, <laughs> but yeah it looks so cool so but did you did you find the, the, the surfing thing like you're saying coming out at five o'clock in the morning you did you find that therapeutic yeah 100 percent. i think there's there's definitely so there, there is there is benefits of being in the water or looking at water mm. um yeah and i think yeah 100 percent. just get getting up and it, you, you sort of feel good for the day as well definitely um, yeah but yeah i think there's, there's definitely a massive benefit I, of i of get it. those um i get those moments from you know you know climbing a mountain in the dark for sun sunrise um you know get to the top of a monroe watching the sun come up and just uh, sitting there you know going fuck man Everything's good in the world. So I love that. It's amazing finding those little, those little spaces, whatever it is, to find those little spaces that make you happy is uh, so cool. Um, so yeah, sorry, I was going to going to get a little bit emotional there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we'll don't we we'll don't watch the sunrise and that when uh, uh, definitely, man. Have a bit of a roll. Yeah, yeah definitely, yeah. man, definitely. So the yeah, I went up to Ben Nevis. Would that have been September? And just one of those things where I checked the weather. And the weather looked amazing. Like fuck, tomorrow's going to be amazing. So, uh, you know, my, my dad's got a, a Volkswagen camper van, so I use it. And fuck it, I'm going to chuck everything in there. I'm going to sleep in a layby yeah. in Fort William, and just you know, four o'clock in the morning, climbed it, and it was the the, the Monroe to myself. Just watched the sunrise. I've got a picture. And it's just amazing. It's just so yeah. so fucking cool. Um, so yeah. Um, there is there is that thing though, isn't it, James? Of being in the water because, like I used to surf, and we used to go out silly o'clock in the morning, go out late at night as well. Um, there is something special about being out on that waves as the sun's coming up or as the sun's going down. There's definitely something special about that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I remember when I paddled out and when the sun was rising, and as I was breaking over the waves, and I'd be turning my head and I'd see. Like the droplets of water, and they'd be catching on the sun on the sunrise that's coming up. You know, like it, like it kind mm. of snapshot. And it was, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. And it, yeah, again, surfing, surfing late at night until it gets to the point where you just, you, you can't see the waves. We've had mm. it where we've, we've gone back to the van, um, and, and we can't, we can't see the number on the lockbox to, to get your keys out. And I, I remember I was wearing like a G-Shock watch. I was using the light on the G-Shock to try and shine. I was like, "How, how are we going to get out of this?" But yeah, managed to managed to get it sorted. It's yeah, super super cool. I, I love the idea of surfing, but um, yeah, so, it's one thing that terrifies me. Uh, James is sort of I do a little bit of um, open water swimming. Do, are you never scared by what's in the sea? <laughs> um. Like nah. I, swim, I, swim, I swim in local locks and start 
I like freaking out about sharks and, and his Nessie rail. What if there's another Nessie? But he's in five. <laughs> Fuck. What just touched my hand? And I, I start freaking out about what's in the water, especially the sea. Fuck I, this. I, I think I think I have done in the past, and it's I think it's only natural to be scared of the unknown, which is what that fear is. Um, I surfed up at Trestles in California, where there are, you know, it can get a bit sharky going up that northwest coast of of America. Um, and but then you can't. It's, you can't have you can't be focused on that and try and surf. The, the two can't go together. Um, yeah. You know when there's that. Fear. I remember when I went out on on a tour, and I was I was sort of the advance party going out. So we we're doing the handover takeover from from the paras, and we went out on patrol with them. And I was just watching the bloke in front of me, and I was trying to put my feet where he put his feet, um, and I was trying to like watch all my arcs, and and it, you know, and it's not sustainable to work at such a high level because you just fatigue, mm. you just blow out so quickly, don't you? Mm. Um, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I am the king of average. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the thing yeah. about sharks in the water is is legitimate because again, when I was out in Portugal, there'd been shark sightings, and um, when me and my friend Easter were out there, and we went out for a, a late night surf as it was kind of getting dark, like you were saying, James. And we were all a little bit tense at the thought of the shark being in the water and potentially hitting us. And I think I've told Chris this story, but we're all kind of strung out across the back of the break. And uh, my mate uh, Eastie was about three people across from me to my left. And I just heard him give out the most blood-curdling scream I've ever heard. And my stomach dropped. And then I heard, like, water. And I heard my mate Stu laughing. And he had swam underwater and pulled Eastie's <laughs> leg on his board. And, like, oh, it, you know that bit where you, like, kind of try not to batter your friend because he's just made you shit your pants. But uh, it, was, it was a moment of pure goal yeah. once we realised Eastie was okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. I, I would call it a day there. I'd just be yeah. back in. I remember I had a bloke say to me, he said, "If you if you see a fin, uh, like don't don't flap, don't worry, because it could be a dolphin." And I was like, "If I, if I see a fin, I'm out. I, I, I will be like Jesus and walking on water." Yeah. I'm out. It's funny because we had on um, uh, Jeremiah Sullivan, who was a you know a shark expert and uh, an American guy, and he's uh, the first guy who ever who, basically he, he hooked onto a great white's fin, and there's pictures of him swimming with a great white. And uh, you know he's going. Yeah, the thing is with sharks is as long as you stare at their mouth, you're fine. And it's just like, oh, okay, easy. Cool. Sounds easy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that kind of kind of made me laugh. But yeah, no, I freak out in the water and, and and try not. And of course, when you freak out in the water and it's already cold and your heart rate's going and you you touch something, you think, fuck, it's definitely a maybe, crocodile. Maybe you shouldn't try surfing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just stare at the water. <laughs> Yeah, I love I love dumb ideas. So, uh, but yeah, um, yeah, I freak out a little bit in the water. But uh, I'll try. I'll try and uh, I'll, yeah, I will try. You know, maybe maybe when when this is all over and done, Ali can try and teach me some some soft moves. But uh, but yeah, oh, so yeah yeah definitely. So what um what what's the what's the future plans um and moving forward with the the performance stuff, James? So the the future is. It's kind of worked well with having this year doing Brits Got Talent because the future is then to transition into becoming an adventure magician. Uh, Me and my little brother, we we sort of planted this seed of an idea when we're bouncing things off off each other and we're kind of a little bit lost and we said, well, what, you know, what do we do and what if we could just take away everything and just do the things we enjoyed doing 
which we, we looked at and is, you know, traveling, adventuring, uh, motorbikes, the magic and history. My brother's a big on the history and he loves kind of retelling the stories of the past. So then we thought, well, let's do, let's put all that together. Let's fly out to India, get a bike and ride it back and spend six months living on the motorbike, doing magic to the local people in the markets. And mm. I would be coming back on the old Silk Road. My bro would be telling stories of Genghis Khan, Marco Polo, you know, talking about battles. And, and also these like little remote villages, they, they'll have their myths and legends. We'll, we'll retell their stories. And, and we thought if we're doing all that, let's let's film it and kind of make a documentary. Uh, so that's that's the plan is to kind of have this magic myths and motorbikes trip um and we were going to set off in march this year and then obviously the situation changed everything's pushed right we, we're penciled in for march next year depending on mm. which countries are open but that's that's the next thing is cool. to do this adventure magic that'd be cool as you were telling that before you got to the you know the actual what you were going to do i i was thinking to myself it would be so cool if somebody went back to try and achieve these feats of um sorcery as they would have been called i suppose that'd be that'd be that's such a good idea i love that idea yeah you could you could uh travel the world uh try trying to prove or disprove these these tales of sorcery and wizardry that's yeah. fucking awesome i like that and i think i think again it's it's trying to see how we can make the lifestyle we want sustainable mm. so when we come back we'll then be looking at doing talks riding up to venues and putting on talks and shows combining the magic with the with the talk play a short film um, and just kind of put these events on to try and sustain this lifestyle and keep just keep going um, and i think we're gonna we're happy to invest a, a good bit of time into it and, and sort of smash that for the next couple of years and if it takes off that that's brilliant but if it doesn't then um we'll probably switch on to something else but i think with the doing stage magic as well i'm, I'm keen to do more stage pieces um, like all, all my magic up until this year had been close-up stuff and then when yeah. i did britain's got talent that was i mean that's when i went out on the audition that's the first time i've been on stage and it's you know two thousand people and i didn't know if i was going to be able to perform so i just i pretended that i was cool and i could do it and just focused <laughs> on what i had to say but man i was massively out of my comfort zone Dude, come on! Like, listen, like me and Ali are two fucking morons from small villages in Fife, <laughs> and we're speaking to Marines. We've spoke to FBI guys and and doctors and all sorts. Of, like, we are so out of our comfort zone. But I think that's what um that's what creates the magic, is being out there and saying, okay. I mean, I guess it's not unlike being on deployment. Okay, this is some some shit that I'm not used to, and it's either you know fight or flight. It's, you have to, you have to, you have to perform. Yeah. Um, it's important to get out of your comfort zone as well. Hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, this is why it's so, um, you know, it's so difficult. Uh, it's so difficult to do something that you're bad at, and it's so important for for your own head and just to improve as a human being. You know, everybody that we've spoke to on this podcast, we've we've taken something from them and learnt from it, and you know, hopefully we apply it to everyday life, but. You know, when, you know, whether you start jiu-jitsu or you, or you start cycling or you start you know, climbing hills or you know, starting magic, it's so it's so important to try these things. You're ter- like, you should do something every day that you're really bad at. Everybody. Yeah. Um, you know, to humble yourself and, and, and make yourself realise that you're not all that, you know, great as, you know, not as great as you maybe think you are in your own head. Yeah. 
Um, you know, Ali Ali still has that problem with jiu-jitsu, but um, <laughs> I like I like to take my shots at Ali's jiu-jitsu when I take them. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's it's so important to do these. You know, be uncomfortable. You know, getting comfortable, being uncomfortable. Yeah, like Dave, David Goggins talks a lot about that. I think he's yeah, an absolute beast. I think he's uh, one of one of our top one of, one of our top three um, guests that we would like. We're never going to speak to him, but you know, yeah. we're going to try. We're going to try. Awesome. Um, it I think be... it's, it's important, Trey. It's like discipline and, and sort of doing the things you don't want to do because <laughs> life's not going to be plain sailing. If you think from from this point now moving forwards that you're going to mm. have no issues at all in life, then. Yeah. It's gonna be it's it's gonna be pretty tough when something comes up. It's inevitable that you're gonna have something come up. And if you everyone everyone is lazy, everyone has that voice inside yeah. their head that says, I don't wanna do it, I don't wanna get out of bed, I don't wanna get off the sofa. And that voice will never help you out. And I think it's it's just a, a primal mechanism to conserve energy, but we don't need it anymore. So you mm. just have to apply discipline into your life to shut that voice up and say now we're going running now not because i want to you know i want to do anything other i'm not trying to break break distances or pace or it's just literally trying to shut that voice up get running do Mm. something that i don't want to do but i know is good for me because if i did what i wanted to do i'd I'd eat a brownie and chill my beans and i'd just be (laughs) i'd just be a useless sack so it's but i think it's important that people understand that if everyone is like that uh, yeah 100 percent. yeah 100 i said you know <clears throat> I, I said to to one of my friends um this is a while ago so i i not always but sometimes i pick the worst time of day or you know or you know whether saturday or sunday will be a, a worse day in terms of weather that day to run early because it's fucking windy and raining and miserable so, you know, there was a couple of years ago, one of my friends came, you know, he wanted to come running. So I said, okay, we're going tonight. He's like, why the fuck tonight? I was like, because it's horrible. So we, you know, hit the local hills. And I said, it's, it's fucking awful outside. But I guarantee you, when you get home, it'll be the best shower that you've ever had. And yeah. you will have the best cup of tea that you've ever had. Yeah. So he, he looked at me like I was a lunatic. So we went out running, did do a lot, five miles, something like that. Lashedly, the you know the typical Scottish rain when it's coming down sideways and you know as we say blowing a hooli and uh, uh, and you know when he got home he was miserable just drenched miserable you can't get in the car it's fucking awful and then he did text me half an hour after getting home saying that was the best shower I've ever had <laughs> see that's why you do it yeah. you should be thankful it's, it's, you get, it's so important so I, I'll get up and it's like so every morning I get up and I have to go for a run and it's mm. like I don't want to go for a run. And that's the reason why I have to. That's the reason why you should. Yeah. Um, but yes. So I'm just thinking now, James. Uh, on your um, on your Instagram, uh, does it say something about uh, doing an Ironman? Yeah. So I, uh, well, I kind of got put in for it. Um, and it's, <laughs> that's an, o- like, that's yeah. an awful. That's an awful thing to get put in for. <laughs> yeah. It was when I left. When I left the Marines, I wanted to use a gym. And because I'd gone, like I'd been medically discharged because of an injury I'd picked up in, in the core, I was able to access the Help for Heroes gym. So I was like, can I, like, I'm, I'm a tight Yorkshireman. I didn't want to pay for a gym membership. So I've got a free gym there. I, like, I'll go down and use that. Um, and then I remember, like, 
as we as as we've someone and they said they were talking about there's a there's a uh, dale marathon which is it's completely horrible i've done it a few times every time i've done it so i'm never doing it again mm. um and they were saying oh yeah i want to do this and i was like yes yeah, yeah put in for it, it's easy I, I could do that now piss it and then it's like yeah i've signed this up for it so then then we're like oh shit we're gonna have to train for that and at the Help for Heroes Centre, they said, oh, we've got a triathlon training. Um, so I said, yeah, I'll, I'll do triathlon training because that'll get me fit for doing this this Dale marathon, uh, like this hill, hill hill run, which is horrible. And it, and then obviously that the, the marathon then turned into a training run for the Ironman. Because uh, I couldn't, it's, it's one of those where, do you want to do, do an Ironman? And it's like, I don't, I don't really want to do it. Mm. But the opportunity is not going to come round again. Um, and I think that's, I just wish I, I didn't really train for it. So when I did it, I was, it was so, it was so hard. Um, mm. And I, I got over the finish line and I took a knee and I just threw up. And I, I've, I'm not, I don't think I've ever really been sick of phys- physical exercise, but yeah, I was, I was in yeah. rag order. I was a bag it's, of shit uh, after that. <laughs> it yeah. was, I found it pretty tough. Yeah, that's because they're really tough. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're not easy. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. A, it's not a park run. It's a fucking Ironman. Um, but yeah, um, I struggle on the park run. <laughs> I struggle with everything. I struggle with everything. You know what I mean? I, I think struggle. it's just because I'm that stubborn. Like literally every step, it's like just stop, just stop, and I'm that stubborn. I'm like, nah, <laughs> <laughs> just stop. Yeah. I hate myself. <laughs> Yeah, it's, um, so I failed last year. I failed the Keltman. Um, uh, I don't know if you know that it's north northwest Scotland. That's an extreme Ironman, and so I failed that last year. So I was due to do it again this year, uh, yeah. but I'm, I'm in next year. So um, I have uh, left on my sticker that you you know put on the bike. So I've left that on my bike now. So every time I'm on my bike, I have to look down it and go. Fucking so yeah, I've got that next year. So when you say it's horrible, I fully understand yeah. <laughs> just how fucking awful they are. Um, so yeah, it's, and again, it's not something I want to do, but I have to do it to complete it. Otherwise, I'll freaking go crazy. But um, yeah, I wouldn't advise anybody to do one. It's stupid. Uh, yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. It's my my neighbour, my next door neighbour said, "Oh, I'm doing it, doing an Iron Man, doing Iron with Man with me. You're you're." You know, you could do one. I was like, nah, I'm never doing an Ironman. And obviously that happened. And I was out out running and seeing my other neighbour. And she said, oh, I'm doing an ultramarathon next year. And I was like, (laughs) nah, not a chance. But now, like, all the time, like, hmm, I could do an ultramarathon. Yeah. An an ultramarathon, so I've done a few, I've done a few marathons. um, And an ultramarathon is something that I've no interest in because it's just, it's just how... How much suffering can you take? Like it's fucking awful. There's no good reason to. There's no good reason to do it. Nah. Do you know what I mean? It's just a terrible idea. Um, you know, it's, all, lot, you know. it's all the the horribleness of a marathon, but just for just longer. longer. <laughs> so, so how how do you how do you run an ultra marathon? Well, just slow your pace down so it lasts a lot longer and the suffering's more. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds yeah. awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, I'm with Catherine Ryan on marathons. I don't understand why middle-aged men suddenly feel the need to be exactly 26 miles away at the drop of a hat. <laughs> yeah, it's a terrible idea, man. I don't, I don't, 
I don't particularly enjoy them. But it's funny because every time I've ever done a marathon or any triathlon uh, distance, it's every time I'm doing one, at some point I'll go, I'm not, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm finishing this one and that's it. I'm not doing any fucking more. And then as soon as you, you know, you get across the finish line, you get a little medal and your little goodie bag and it's like, I wonder if there's anything on the next weekend. Can I do one next weekend? It's every single time. Every yeah. time. And you always sign, go back for something else. But yeah, an Ironman's not, an ultramarathon is not something I want to do. It's and good once... to challenge yourself though. So, I yeah. Mean, if, you're, if you're keen on that ultramarathon, yeah, I'll, I'll do it with you. It's, um, <laughs> it's uh, I don't know if you've, have you got three days? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, oh yeah, I see, I, 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 I see, yeah. All it take, all it takes, is somebody to provoke me slightly, like Ali to go. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think, I don't think you can do one anyway. And then you go, bastard, <laughs> you bastard. Okay, where are we going? But um, yeah, we're doing an ultra. Yeah, we're doing an ultra. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any, have any, any desire to do one. But yeah, but you know, you never know, you never know. Um, but yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I like you know, I like I like I like I like a challenge as well. So I've just seen um, you were up in the Cairn Gardens fairly recently as well. Yeah, we filmed the. I don't know if you watched on the Brits Got Talent when it when it showed on TV. They played a pre video, and we filmed that up in the Cairn Gardens. Uh, okay, and that that was really cool. Like I enjoyed I enjoyed doing that. But that, that's what that I was working in Dundee. So this this year I had one event in January with the Magic, mm. and then all the weddings and events that were booked in for this year. Initially, ones in May, they like either cancelled or postponed to September. And when people kind of saw how long this was was going on for, uh, all, all the events just got got cancelled. So I was I didn't have any income. Uh, and one of my mates from the Marines said, do you want to come and do some work up here? Uh, we're working out at Dundee. Um, and I was like, yeah, just just manual graft. But I went up there for three months. Mm. It, it's it's funny because we were put up in the, the Hilton Hotel in the city centre of Dundee. Yeah, and yeah. it looks onto a nightclub called Fat Sam's. I know, uh, well, it does. <laughs> as a young Marine, <laughs> uh, we used to try and go in there, and they're like, lads, you're not coming in. And I was like, okay. If you look at Fat Sam's, you've got an open air smoking area up mm-hmm. at the top. It's maybe four stories high. Um, so I used to like go around the back of the building and come over the roof and into the drop down into this, like we'll climb down. It's like a wooden terrace bit, climb down the wooden terrace bit into into Fat Sam's. Uh, and I was, I was chatting to one of my mates recently because it's so funny looking at it now. Like this is ten years later. Yeah. And I took a young marine with me. I took like a group of lads. I I know a way we can get in. Come on this way. And we're running along the rooftops. Um, and this lad he just. <laughs> He just slipped over in all that slimy green stuff. We were so pissed. And he was like just <laughs> covered in shit. And, I'd, and then it got to the point where I was like, ah, he's going to die. He's, he's so <laughs> incapable. He was so done. And it like I had to like lower him into the smoking area. Um, and by this point, all the bouncers have seen us. They're all getting around. We're getting kicked out. But I, I just had to look after this guy. Um, and obviously, he got as soon as he got down, he just got shot straight out. Um, and about, I managed to jump down, and as soon as I got grabbed, I just slipped, slipped my jacket off and <laughs> straight onto the dance floor. And I was like, "Yeah, I'm in." <laughs> oh man, that's good. Yeah, it's uh, Fat Sam's is one of those places where it's kind of legendary within Scotland. I think. Uh, yeah, it's uh, quite a place, quite a place. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, 
yeah, that's uh, that's cool. What what so what were you doing in the Cairngorms? Were you? Uh, what... so so the Cairngorms was just literally for the the B the Brits Got Talent filming. All oh, right, okay. Uh, because so initially they were going to come up. I'm in the Yorkshire Dales. They were going to come to the Yorkshire Dales, and and it would be it would have been so beautiful if they had come up here. Um, but yeah, I was in Scotland, so they they made the trip. They were going up to Inverness to to see another one, uh, another con, um, contestant. So they stopped off, and we had a day of filming. Uh, but that that's all it was, just for the this preview. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, okay, right, okay. But it was yeah. it was quite cool. We went to a, a quarry, um, and they're like, "Yeah, we want you to run around this quarry." Uh, and I said, "Well, I've got some I've got some rope in the van. I could I could abseil down that cliff face if you want. If that looks cool." And they're like. And they're like, what's the health and safety on this? Oh, if you think you can do it, then do it. So then I did it. And like, I've not abseiled for a few years. So me and my bro set the rope up. And I was like, I'll give it a go. And I went down, like, like not wearing any gloves. And I was like, and they were filming me. So I was just having to pretend, like, ah, you know, my hands were burning. Um, <laughs> but I went and got some gloves on and, and did it again. Uh, but I think, yeah, it was... Yeah, it's it it cool. I, I was happy with the video, but I tried. Yeah. The video is on my Instagram. I tried putting up there, but they just kept blocking it all the time because it's like it's owned by oh, VGT. Ah, yeah. uh, yeah, fuck's sake! Of course, of course. Of course. Uh, I think that would be the. I think that would be the the quarry near Kelly Cranky. Would that be right? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think, uh, I think it would be. We I went up there. Be. We met. We had some. They'd booked like some local drivers, which drove us to different locations and all oh, right okay yeah yeah it's a cool area man definitely yeah cool i area. used to live in inverness and i'd drive up the a9 oh. and um so were you at, no i was going to say you would you be at fort george but that's a different fucking thing altogether isn't it no, i did i did go to fort george i have been there before um, right okay yeah it's uh yeah inverness is cool um it's always uh it's always cool to go up there up to up the a9 um the road's terrible obviously but yeah it's uh Cool place. That's a cool place to go and spend some time. I think. Um, I don't. I don't. I, I think more people should spend some time in the Highlands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely should. Fucking. I took, I took the van up to the the Isle of Skye. Um, I love Skye. And I was, I was like living in the van, like swimming in the like the little waterfall bits. And yeah. there's, there's this this old gnarly marine um, who lives up there, and he works for Sky Mountain Rescue. And my mm. mate was was like, yeah, you've got to find him. And I was like, where do I find him? He said, go, go to the old inn next to the Taliska place mm-hmm. and he'll be at the bar. So like I went, I went to the bar, I said, I'm looking for Jonah and he's there at the bar and we got chatting and I said I was a Marine. Um, and they said, do you, want, do you want to go up, do you want to do the inaccessible pinnacle? Do you want to go up the Coolins? Uh, like what are you doing on Sunday? I was like, I'm free. Yeah. So it, he then took, took me up and we climbed that. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I wish, I, I wish I knew how to, to properly climb because I'd love to go up that. That looks um, that looks amazing. That looks really cool. Uh, but yeah, I love Sky. Sky's such a fucking yeah. cool place. I really yeah. love Sky. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's. Um, I, I know Sky's like the obviously the the kind of that's the one everyone knows. Like when when we were younger, my my parents would take us up. We did a lot of uh, trips up to Scotland and a lot right. of cycling uh, in the Outer Hebrides and, you know, South Uist, North Uist and Battersea and did like a lot more of the, the little islands. Uh, yeah. and I, I know Sky and Muller, the sort of notorious ones that everyone, you know. Yeah. Quite, yeah. Quite I'm actually, I'm from slightly further south in those. I'm on the, the Hebrid, the Clyde Islands. I'm from Arran. I don't know if you ever went across oh, to there. Right. Yeah, yeah. I'm from, I'm from Arran originally. Yeah. So I've got a wee, 
nice place in my heart for the islands, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's fun except for the midges. <laughs> well, my dad, my dad's from my dad's from Bristol originally, and he used to come back from walking up Glen Rose on Arran and up onto Goat Fell and along the the Warrior and stuff, and come back, and his back would be like braille, and we used to blame <laughs> it on his weak English blood. <laughs> yeah, I must have that. Because yeah. <laughs> none of us ever used to get, but we'd get a couple of them. And honestly, my bad—if you were blind, you could have read my dad's back. It was horrific, eh? absolutely yeah. horrific. Oh man, yeah, it's funny. Um, well, guys, I am now running out of intelligent things to say. Is that, that about? It's about that time when I'm running out of intelligent yeah, things to say. So, um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, 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 an absolute pleasure. If you're, um, you know, if you find yourself up this way. Um, absolutely, give us a shout. We could we could roll and uh, yeah, definitely, definitely climb, yeah. definitely climb a hill if you if you want to. Um, that'd be awesome. So yeah, yeah, thank you, thank you for your time, man. It's uh, been 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 good. Well, thank just you before we done. before we wind up, James, just so we can give you a shout out as well. If people want to find out more about you or or look up any of your social media websites, if you give them a shout out, and I'll tag all these in the video when I post it on YouTube as well. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, it's a, I think everything's just the magic marine. Um, but you have to put you have to put the in the, the magic yeah. marine. Yeah. I, I, I giggled magic marine earlier on. I was looking at some fucking weird uh, uh, like marine stuff. Sailing company, like yeah, yeah. yeah. Apparently, apparently if somebody's looking for a really good sail, magic marine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think yeah, pretty much I mean Instagram's like my main platform. I I I struggle enough just with that one. So trying to do anything else is, yeah, yeah I, I kind of maxed out just on Instagram. Uh, yeah. But that's, yeah, James Steele Stott um, or, or the, the Magic Marine. I think if you just search the, the Magic Marine, it comes up. Cool. We'll tag that in as well. But yeah, thanks very much. I say appreciate you taking the time and jumping in, mate. It's been a, a fun hour and a, a exactly, good chat that yeah. we've had. So it's actually, yeah, it's, it's, all, it's actually always difficult to get British people to speak to us. Americans can't wait. But nobody that's British ever wants to speak to us, so thank you. <laughs> uh, it's been good chatting to you, lads. Thank, thanks for having me on. No, anytime, anytime. And as I say, if you're ever up in the Kingdom of Fife, give us a shout and we'll uh, we'll swim in the sea, we'll climb a mountain, we'll rope, whatever needs done, we'll have a laugh. Yeah, that sounds brilliant. Ideal. Awesome. Thank yeah, well, episode, thanks very much, James. Episode 53 is done and dusted. Silly Goose Gang Podcast.